All right, very good. Yes, this will be our last of the four um, messages on the war in the Middle East. So turn to Luke chapter 21. We're going to look at prophecy tonight. Uh, Back on October 18th, we looked at the terms, different terms that you need to know or I need to know when you're dealing with the Middle East. And uh, that was our first message. Our second message was on geography. That was on October 25th. And we showed you on the maps uh, where the West Bank is. You hear that all the time. That's basically the area that they used to call Samaria when Jesus walked the earth. You'll see on the maps where Gaza is, just so you know that geography. And we passed out a map where the terrorists uh, are located uh, in Gaza. They're called Hamas. In southern Lebanon, they're called Hezbollah. And over in Iraq, and they're called ISIS and then Al-Qaeda. And, and we gave a map out on that on October 25th. And then November 8th, we did uh, history, the uh, war in the Middle East and history, and that was last week, uh, November 8th. So if you want to archive those somewhere on our website or something, if you've missed them, <coughs> you can listen to them. Because back on October the 7th, Israel was attacked by Hamas. Hamas is a political party of terrorists who have taken over the region called Gaza, which was given to Arabs, mostly Jordanian Arabs, after the 1948 war. They were put in the Gaza Strip. They were given that little piece of property, and others, Arabs, were given the West Bank, which means the West Bank of the Jericho River. Kind of similar to like what we have in America, perhaps with the reservations for the Native Americans. Uh, where they they were given their land. Praise the Lord for that, uh, because there was a great movement in our country at that time to slaughter the Native Americans. Uh, they, they were going to be just, just be slaughtered. And a Baptist preacher rushed down to Washington, D.C. and said, don't do that. Give them their land. And uh, the reservation system is not a perfect system, but it's has preserved them and uh, their their uh, tribes and cultures. And uh, praise the Lord for that Baptist preacher. I forgot his name, but I know probably Grady's got it in his books. And, uh, I remember that history. So, uh, But anyways, uh, they were put in Gaza and uh, the West Bank. And uh, then in uh, 1987, a political... A group was uh, invented called Hamas, who were Sunni uh, Muslims. Uh, The Sunnis are the majority of the Muslims, about 85%. And the strictest uh, women especially have a horrible time uh, living amongst the Sunnis. 1987, they became a political party, and then in 2006, they ran uh, to uh, have the control over Gaza, uh, which those people in Gaza began to be called Palestinians in 1963. There's no such thing really as a Palestinian. There's there's never been a nation or anything. They were called Arabs before that. 
but because they live in a region called Palestine, which has had many names, Palestine, Canaan, the Holy Land, Israel, uh, they almost became a nickname, like they were Palestinians, like you and I are New Yorkers or something. And uh, Hamas uh, was elected for four years in 2006 and never relinquished their power. They've never had an election since they took over the place and began to indoctrinate the Palestinians, the Arabs that live there, in their terrorism, and and they are just horrific. And I've tried not to share too many stories of the horrors of October the 7th. Uh, So many of them are documented because the Hamas terrorists actually wore cameras on their helmets uh, to take videos of what they did to the Jews. Uh, this was very, very organized attack. Uh, we, we, if you're not careful, you'll listen. And it sounds like they were just oh, poor, sad, oppressed people, and they finally snapped. No, they didn't snap. This was extremely organized military attack on uh, Israel, on the kibbutzes down in the southern part of Israel. Some of those kibbutzes had a 700 people living in a communal uh, type of a living, and, and they went in with their cameras, and they, you know, I, I kind of forced myself to do this, but they they tied fathers and babies together and then doused them with petrol and burned them alive. They started the ovens up and then put the babies in the ovens while the parents were forced to uh, watch uh, what happened to the babies. And uh, then they... Uh, uh, had babies in cribs that were doused with uh, gasoline and uh, set on fire uh, while the parents were forced at gunpoint to watch. This this is the stuff. So when you hear this pro-Palestinian stuff, this pro-Hamas stuff, you just wonder, what, what in the world are people thinking? How can anyone be pro that? Any human being, any rational human being, how can they be for that? And yet we see so many pro-Palestinian marches uh, right here in uh, America, even in America. And we've been the greatest friend Israel's ever had. And uh, New York State, we're, we're privileged, got a lot of things wrong in this state, but we have more Jews that have lived in New York than any other place on earth until lately since they became a nation in 1948. And uh, they've been going back to their homeland ever since. And there's over 7 million Jews now in their homeland. We'll get to that here in a minute. But uh, we want to get to prophecy now, and, and, uh, and, and those, those things that are just inhuman, that, that's devilish stuff. That's, that's demonic stuff. Uh, if you don't believe in the devil, and if you don't believe in devils, you don't believe in Jesus Christ. And you don't believe in the Word of God, because uh, those things are taught so clearly. And there are actually people on this planet who are demon-possessed, who, who think and act that way. And, uh, and that's, that's just part of it. That's just part of it. Some of the stuff is just, just uh, horrific. And uh, so, we come to prophecy tonight. Uh, we've looked at terms, geography, history, and now prophecy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is when God tells us the future before it ever happens. And that's, what, that's why we worship our God and we worship the Lord Jesus Christ because of many reasons, but one is prophecy. Our God, by his foreknowledge, knows everything that's going to happen and has, has written it down. 
And uh, we begin tonight by looking in, in Luke chapter 21 and verse number 5. And it says, As some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, he said, As for these things which ye behold, the days will come, and the which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And they asked him, saying, Master, uh, but when shall these things be, and what, shall, uh, what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And so I just want you to notice tonight prophetically there are two desolations of Israel. There are two desolations of Israel. One has already taken place, and that was in 70 AD, about 40 years after Christ ascended into heaven, the Romans came down to Jerusalem, and uh, they desolated the uh, temple and the city. Historians that lived in those days, when they saw what uh, the uh, Romans had done under Titus, the emperor, in 70 AD, said that it was so thorough that anybody walking by that city would never believe that there was ever a city there. And uh, that uh, certainly would fulfill the prophecy Jesus spoke 40 years earlier that we just read uh, in verse number 6. As for these things which ye behold, the days will come in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And that desolation was so thorough uh, that there is not one single stone on that porch that we call Mount Moriah. Even to this day, there's not one stone upon another except for a couple of Muslim mosques that were built, I believe, in the 1200s, sometime later. And uh, that was the first desolation and really the culmination of the diaspora, the dispersion of the Jews all around the world, all the different nations. The, the, uh, The nation of Israel is a miracle. And anyone who does not believe in God should try to explain how does Israel even exist today. And we went through that history last week, so I'm not, gonna, not going to review it. But uh, Israel does exist today and is in their own land, over 7 million strong and more and more are going there uh, all the time. But uh, the dispersion of Jews all around the world... Uh, started almost 800 years before Christ under the Assyrian Empire, and that was those up in uh, northern Israel, which was called Israel. The Assyrians began to disperse them. Then later on, the Babylonians began to disperse those in the southern part of what was called Israel, called uh, Judah. And uh, they were dispersed mostly into Babylon and then in many other countries, and then Jerusalem finally fell and then, as I said, 70 A.D. Was, was the kind of the exclamation point of the first desolation of Israel and then the dispersion of the Jews to every nation on earth. And I, I still believe that today they say that there's Jews in over 100 nations still, although many of them have gone back to their land. So they have been dispersed. And Jesus talks about that. Let's go on now to verse number 20. Luke chapter 21 and verse 20. And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Now something about prophecy is is sometimes it's it's really hard to be dogmatic 
and, and it's, it's hard to put your finger on sometimes exactly what Jesus is referring to. And what we're going to read here could refer to the first desolation uh, that I just tried to describe, or to the next desolation, which will not happen until during a period called the tribulation period on earth, which I will explain in a few moments. But for now, the Bible says, or Jesus says, when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. And, and I hope you've all received a map that we'll go over here in a little bit. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let not them that are in the country enter thereunto. <clears throat> For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So it seems like Jesus is referring back to that first desolation. And uh, notice Jesus also prophesied of the dispersion. They shall be led away captive into all nations. And they were. They were. 195 nations. They used to be in all of them, but now it's down to about 100 as they're going back to their land. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. I believe that we are living today in the time of the Gentiles. It's also sometimes known as the church age or the dispensation of the church. Some call it the dispensation of grace, but I don't like using that because they found grace in the wilderness. Amen. That's what Isaiah said. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And uh, God's grace has always been on the earth. But, but um, <clears throat> there would be a time of the Gentiles. And the Jews, Jesus said, would be scattered all over the world until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now keep in mind in the Old Testament, about 2,000 years before Christ... The Lord began to deal with a man named Abraham the Hebrew. Abraham the Hebrew. And he began to, to work with Abraham the Hebrew and then his son Isaac. And then his son Jacob. And then Jacob had 12 sons which became known as the 12 tribes of Israel. For Jacob's name itself, himself, was changed to Israel. And uh, then we have, of course, all the history uh, of Israel up until their dispersion began under the Assyrians and Babylonians contained in the minor and major prophets of the Old Testament. So for about 2,000 years before Christ, the Lord kind of put most of his focus on Israel. Then came Christ and the Jews said, we will not have this man to rule over us, his blood be on us and on our children. And they rejected their Messiah. And uh, from that point on, beginning about in Acts chapter number 18, all of history changes when Paul turns his entire ministry to reaching the Gentiles. And missionaries begin to go out from the, the first church to Africa, Asia, and to Europe. 
And then from that time on until now, for the past 2,000 years, God has almost completely put his attention on the salvation of the Gentiles. And so he put about 2,000 years of effort into Israel, and now about 2,000 years of effort into the Gentiles. But the time of the Gentiles is going to be fulfilled someday. It's going to end. And God will again redirect his attention to the nation of Israel during a very, very short, probably the shortest dispensation of all in the Bible called the tribulation period. It is only seven years long, and you can document that by studying such books as the book of Daniel and other places. And there's going to be a very short dispensation that's going to take place very soon on earth called the tribulation And specifically, the last three and a half years of that seven years is called the Great Tribulation. During that time, there is going to be a massive conversion of Jews to Jesus Christ. Now, today, there are some Jews that are saved, Messianic Jews, very, very few. About 1% of the land we call Israel today claims to be Christian. Most of them hate. I, I think I made a, a statement recently about 50% of the athe- uh, Jews, uh, Jews today being atheists. That's, that might not be accurate. That depends on what you, know, you study. Some say 25%, some say 50%. And uh, a lot of them do not believe in God at all. And uh, those that do certainly just believe in the God of the Old Testament. Uh, but someday they will come to know the Lord Jesus as their Savior Uh, I believe because of the events that will take place during the tribulation. And so the time of the Gentiles will be fulfilled, and then God is going to redirect his attention towards the salvation of the Jews. But there will be a massive salvation of, of Gentiles also during the tribulation period, the seven years. There's going to be a lot of conversions to Christ in fact, in the book of Revelation, it says there's, there's just going to be this multitude that comes out of great tribulation that nobody could number uh, who had washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. So I think the greatest revival, that is the soul-saving revival, is yet to happen on this earth amongst Jews and Gentiles. Revelation 7, Revelation 14 tells us specifically about 144,000 virgin young men who are Jews out of all 12 tribes who, who come to know the Lord as their Savior and follow the Lamb whithersoever he leadeth. And they seem to be like evangelists that bring about the salvation of the nation of Israel and many, many Gentile converts during the tribulation period. And uh, so I was... Uh, at a meeting Monday, and they were uh, um, presenting a, a Bible printing uh, ministry that has printed Bibles now in languages for people in 125 of the different uh, nations on earth. There's 195 nations on earth, and, and they, they, they're printing them in these languages, and they're saying, hey, if anything else, they'll at least have a Bible, so when they go into the tribulation period, they'll be under, able to understand and, and believe, and I think that's a good spirit to have. Just keep sowing the seed. Don't sit around twiddling your thumbs waiting for the rapture to take place. So the rapture will kind of like be the end of the time of the Gentiles, although Gentiles will be getting saved. 
But the rapture of the church, as the church is mentioned in Revelation 2 and 3, never mentioned again after chapter 4, and uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, all seem to indicate that the Holy Spirit's going to be taken out in the rapture, and all the true believers that have genuinely been born again will be taken up to be with the Lord, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And his bride, his body, the church, will miss the tribulation period, that seven-year tribulation period. But don't, don't think for a second that we will not have tribulation in this life. There's some people that seem to think that uh, we're going to escape tribulation. No, we're going to escape the tribulation, but none of us escape uh, tribulation. And uh, so don't confuse the two, because some people do. Uh, some people will take verses like this, and I'm going to read Acts chapter 14 and verse 22, and uh, that says, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And sometimes people will take verses like that out of context, and they'll say, see, aha! The church is going to go through the tribulation. No, that's just saying every Christian since the birth of the church is going to go through tribulations in their life. And we as Americans are not going to escape that. And uh, we need to prepare uh, for tribulation. The word tribulation means affliction, anguish, trouble, burdens, persecutions, excessive pressure, distress, straits. And so, so don't think it unusual if you go through tribulation in your life or if things get worse in our country. Um, don't look at the, the Bible from an American point of view because we have pretty much lived on easy street because of God's blessings and benefits on our nation, perhaps because of our love for Israel and because a remnant of righteous people who are trying to win souls and plant churches, send missionaries, all this, let's not stop doing that. Uh, keep, keep trying to win some souls to Christ. And these things come up. I went, I went immediately from prayer meeting today. The first person I met asked me about Israel and what's going on on earth. And I had a wonderful chance uh, to share uh, the gospel. Um, but turn now to Deuteronomy chapter 4. We're talking about prophecies now tonight about Israel. Prophecy. Where is all this in prophecy? That is where God foretells the future and puts it in writing before it ever happens. And because of prophecy, you and I can depend on God. So many past prophecies have already been fulfilled. So many present prophecies are being fulfilled right in front of our eyes and we can trust that all these future prophecies will also be fulfilled to the letter. Now here's the first time, Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 30, here is the first time the word tribulation is ever found in the Bible. And it's in Deuteronomy, which most of you know is the law to Israel. This is not written to Americans or Canadians or anything. This is Moses writing the law to Israel, and to Israel in the context, not to the church, the bride or the body of Christ, but to Israel, Moses, by the Holy Spirit, says to them, 
in verse number 30. Deuteronomy chapter number 4 and verse number um, 30. And when thou art, I'm sorry, when thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God and shalt be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God, he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers which he swear unto them. Please understand, Israel is an indestructible country. He will not destroy thee. But it tells them in their law, now this is 1,451 years before Christ. 1,451 years before Christ, the Holy Spirit says through Moses, when thou art in tribulation, and he goes on to describe when that would be in the latter days. Turn to the Lord thy God. And they have yet to do that. And be obedient unto his voice. I won't destroy thee. I won't forget the covenant I made with your fathers. Now remember, we mentioned a few times that phrase, everlasting covenant, that God made with Israel is found 16 times. And everlasting means everlasting. Doesn't mean temporal. Doesn't mean conditional. He said, I've made an everlasting covenant with the nation of Israel 16 times. He reminds them of his everlasting covenant. Look, Israel can't be destroyed. Now, if you went to Vegas and put your bets on and saw Israel surrounded today by the terrorists, the Muslims, and the communists, uh, and a war broke out, you would say, this isn't going to last for a day. And you would put all of your money on the terrorists, the communists, and the Muslims, if you were a betting man or woman, which you shouldn't be. Because they're so outnumbered. But if God be for us, who can be against us? Is what the scripture says. And God is for Israel. And so I wanted to show you the first time that word tribulation is found. Now in Matthew 24 and verse 21, the Bible says that things are going to get worse. And during the tribulation period... It is described this way, Matthew 24 and verse number 21. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Now, I was just describing you some things that have happened uh, earlier, and I've tried not to mention too many of those things during these lessons. But... You know, when you think of World War II, when you think of the Nazis, and now when you think of Hamas, and so on and so forth, and Jesus said during the Great Tribulation, things are going to happen the world's never seen before. Wow. First of all, if you're here today, or if you're ever listening to this, get saved. Make sure you're saved. Make sure you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Make it very, very personal. Not because your father had it or your dad had it or grandma or grandma. Make sure Jesus is your personal Savior. Not because your mom or dad have it. But make sure you're saved. And I believe that will assure that we are not appointed under wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. And God will take us out before this time. But creeping up to this time, we're certainly going to see some things. 
we're going to see things get worse and people get worse. Not all things, not all people. But we're going to see things get worse and we're going to see people get worse. And I think people are at their worst today, at least in my 66 years of life. Um, and I don't, I mean, maybe we'd have a wonderful revival where, where masses would come to Christ and have their lives changed, but I don't know. That'd be a wonderful thing. But if not, people are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And uh, boy, we see so much demon possession, don't we? <coughs> demon possession. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 30. So this great tribulation, what is it? What is the tribulation for? Why is there going to be this seven years? And the first three and a half are going to be quite peaceful. The last three and a half, we just read what Jesus said about how bad that's going to be. Now, what is the purpose of the great tribulation? Notice the purpose in Jeremiah 30. And we'll begin reading at verse number four. Jeremiah 30 and verse number four. And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, We have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask ye now, and see whether a man doth travail with child. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. But he shall be saved out of it. For it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck and will burst thy bonds, and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him. But they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. Now, David's already lived and died. Understand that often a reference to David their king in the Old Testament is a reference to Jesus Christ, who was of the house and lineage of David. And that's what it's talking about. The tribulation is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. It is a time when the Lord's going to set them free, verse 8. Break their yoke from off their neck, burst their bonds. Strangers shall no more serve, and they shall serve the Lord their God, and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. So it's a time that God has set up for the conversion of, of the Jews to Christ. But it's going to be a time so bad that their faces are going to go pale. All right, you know that experience? Maybe like five seconds after a deer jumps out in front of your car or something. You know what I mean? Uh, that, that, that feeling where you just, you just, all your blood just flushes out of you. It's going to be bad during this time. It's going to be bad. And the Lord is going to use this time to allow such strong persecution and war against Israel that, you know, they got their dome now, and they got their military and all that stuff they're depending on now, and America's helping them and, and things, but, but, you know, I've 
we, I was talking to some people recently. I said, eventually you run out of your military, and you run out of your arms, and you can't produce them enough to defend yourself. And there's coming a time where they're just going to all go pale. The time of Jacob's trouble. Now, Jacob is Israel. I think you know that history. God changed Jacob's name to Israel, and that's when the first use of the name Israel ever happened. When he changed his name to Israel, then he had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel in, in that history. You know, there's a verse in Psalm 55, 19 <coughs> that sadly is so true in so many cases, but it says this, because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. Isn't that human nature? No changes, no fear. But boy, all of a sudden the doctor says, you have cancer. You have leukemia, and all of a sudden you want to get on every prayer list in the world. And you begin to fear God, and, and, um, or some close call with death, or some accident that puts you in the hospital. You know how that is. It shouldn't be that way. We should just fear the Lord because he is worthy Amen. to be loved and to be feared. But there are changes coming to Israel, and uh, they are going to uh, cause them to fear God. And it's a time of Jacob's trouble. Alas, for that day is great that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob's trouble. Or as Jesus said, a great tribulation. Zechariah 12 and um, verses 2 and 3 say this. And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces. Though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. In that day, saith the Lord, I will smite every horse with astonishment and his rider with madness. And I will open mine eyes upon the house of Judah and will smite every horse of the people with madness. And he talks about here how there's coming a day when Jerusalem's going to be a burdensome stone. Everyone that burdens themselves uh, with it will I cut in pieces. And boy, that's the center of all the attention of the world right now is Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And it's going to be a burdensome stone and called a cup of trembling. Now turn to Ezekiel 16. I'm sorry, Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel is a gentleman that I look forward to meeting. I think we're going to meet these people in heaven. And I have been practicing my question for Ezekiel. I'm going to say, Ezekiel... What in the world were you talking about? Now, if you understand this book, good for you. I should sit down and listen. But boy, it's a head scratcher. But towards the end, it gets a lot clearer. And, and, and for time's sake, boy, you've you got to read Ezekiel 34, 35, 36. And from that point on, it's just so amazing. As we read about the dispersion, Look at uh, Ezekiel 36, 19. And again, Ezekiel, now we're talking about 600 years before Christ. 
And in chapter 36 and verse number uh, 19, it says, And I scattered them among the heathen, and they were dispersed through the countries according to their way and according to their doings, I judged them. Now that was beginning in Ezekiel's day, but culminated after Christ. And the disperse, or what the Jews call in their history, the diaspora, refers to the word dispersion right there of the Jews all over. The Bible says God scattered them among. But then go to verse 24. And I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. So again, this is about 600 years before Christ. And God says through the prophet Ezekiel, I'm going to scatter you all over the world, but then I'm going to bring you back to your own land, which is something that's pretty much been recent history. Starting back in 1948, and there were people trickling in around the early 1900s, but ever since then, when they became a nation again, they have been pouring back in. And so the difference between verse 19 and 24 is about 2,500 years from where the dispersion takes place to the regathering. And God prophesied all of it. Then in chapter 7, you have the very famous parable of the valley of dry bones. A bunch of dry bones in the valley, and they start coming together, and they start getting sinews and meat and everything on them, and then they stand up, and they're alive. And God says to Ezekiel, can these bones live again? And he, he gives the right answer. He says, you, only you, Lord, know. You know, any one of us would have probably said, never, nope, they're all dead. But he said, you know, Lord, and so they do come together, the valley of dry bones. And they become a nation. And then there's the parable of the two sticks, where God says it used to be Israel, and it used to be uh, Judah, not no more, now they're one nation. And when we look at Israel today, do they call themselves Israel and Judah? No, they call themselves Israel. So that's chapter 37. Then you go to the war in chapter 38 and 39, which you want to now take your attention to the map that we passed out. And and thank you, Pastor Barron. I asked for a few extra minutes tonight because we're finishing up on this. And it's just an overview. I mean, there's no way I'm being thorough with this subject. But we have a war. Now, right after the regathering of chapter 36, 37, into their own land, now there's a war in chapter 38 and 39, of which the 1,700-something wars that have been documented in human history, none have ever matched this description. None have ever matched this description. So we come to the conclusion then that Ezekiel here is in chronological order. 36, 34, 35, 36, 37, the regathering of Israel into their own land. And then sometime after that, this war described in chapters 38 and 39. Now, we only have time perhaps to look at the armies that are against Israel, and I want you to notice on your map, I have highlighted them in blue, and their their names are different in Ezekiel 38 than the current day names 
but you can study the history of where these people lived and landed and what those nations are today. Verse 1, And the word of the Lord came unto me and said, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Now that's Russia, the chief prince. That phrase in verse 2 comes from the Hebrew word rosh, R-O-S-H, that we get the word Russia. And Meshach is probably a reference to Moscow, and Tubal is probably a a reference to Tobolsk, one of the largest industrial cities in Russia today. And these are later described in the chapter as being directly north of Israel. And what is directly north uh, of Israel? Uh, That would be Russia. Thus saith the Lord, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, and all of them handling swords, and then some of their allies will be, verse 5, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya, with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Goma, Goma rather, and all his bands, the house of Togarma of the north quarters and all his bands and many people with thee, <coughs> be thou prepared and prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou guard unto them. After many days thou shalt be visited, now notice this, in the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel which have been always waste, uh, but it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. Thou shalt be like a cloud to cover thee land, thou and all thy bands and many people with thee. And I really think that verse 9 is just Ezekiel's best effort to describe what he's seeing of what we see today, air supremacy, airplanes, even the, the October 7th raid on the kibbutzes, uh, they, they used a military um, scheme of paragliders. Paragliders came in, armed to the teeth, uh, on the kibbutzes, like a cloud. That's the best way Ezekiel could describe it, because he'd never seen anything like that in his life. Now, Persia, verse 5, is Iran, Ethiopia is Ethiopia, Libya, Gomer, and uh, is a reference to the area. He landed in what we call today Ukraine. And all his bands in the house of Tugarma, that's believed to be Turkey. I did not highlight that one. I should have on your map. And all his bands and many people with thee. And so many of these, (coughs) if you go back to where they landed and lived would include Ukraine, Russia, Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan, Iran, Libya, Ethiopia. And so you see by the blue on your map that Israel is surrounded. Surrounded. And I hope you're thinking back now to what we talked about Jesus when you see Jerusalem encompassed by armies. And who knows who else might Uh, join in with them. 
because there's a lot of anti-Semitism in the world. Now, others are highlighted here in what looks like purple. These are those that have already uh, signed on to peace agreements with Israel. And uh, they are Sudan, United Emirates, United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, um, and Morocco. Those were under the Trump administration. They're called the Abraham Accords. They are, they're not friends of Israel, but they're business partners uh, mostly. Egypt signed in 1979 under Bill Clinton. Uh, I'm sorry, under uh, Jimmy Carter, past, uh, President Jimmy Carter, and Jordan uh, signed in 1994 or under Bill Clinton. So praise the Lord, America was involved in all these peace accords. Amen. Now, when you look at these here, you drop down to verse 13. It says, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions thereof, they are going to, in this text here, verse 13, I don't have time. They are supporting Israel, at least verbally, in verse 13. Now, I've written where Sheba and Dedan dwelt, they're in yellow, and Tarshish. And we find that these are the regions where the Trump administration signed all these peace accords. And so I believe when those peace accords took place in 2020, verse 13 was fulfilled prophetically. Sheba, Dedan, and Tarshish. Tarshish is mainly known as Spain. And... uh, Then there's this little statement here that says, the young lions thereof. Now that might be the only reference to America in the Bible. What is a lion? A lion is the king of the jungle. A lion has no predators. A lion is, is, as far as we know, the only animal that has no predators. It is the king of the jungle. That is the most feared Look, America is the most powerful nation on earth today. And America is young. Canada is young. New Zealand is young. Australia is young. And all these came out of Tarshish. Uh, Columbus sailed out of Tarshish and quote unquote discovered uh, the new world. And so this might be the only reference to America, and America at this point only lends Israel verbal support and says to these other nations we just described, hey, what are you doing? Are you come to take a spoil? Are you come to carry away silver and gold to take away cattle and goods to take a great spoil? We're a confusing country. You know, two days ago, I think it was, they had a big rally down on the mall, pro-Israel. And there were Democrats all over the place. Now, I don't belong to the Democrat Party. I don't belong to the Republican Party. I'm not picking on them. But there are Democrats all over the place, including our senator, Chuck Schumer, who is a Jew, uh, standing with Israel, pro-Israel, anti-Hamas. All these Democrat senators were out there saying they're pro-Israel. The next day, all 51 voted against 
sending Israel $14.3 billion in, in aid. Now, that's what we call having a forked tongue. That's what we call talking out of both sides of your mouth. And uh, it looks like America may become so weakened militarily, monetarily, and morally by this time that all they can do at this time is just say, hey, hey, what are you doing? Back off. You shouldn't be invading them. And having no power at this time in history. Now, this war goes on. It's described amazingly in chapters 38 and 39. And, uh, but uh, <clears throat> I'll just have to make this quick here. And I, I knew I was going to need a lot of time, and I appreciate Pastor giving me that. I don't know when this war takes place. I don't know whether we'll see it or whether it's right at the beginning of the tribulation period and that brokers then a peace deal between the Antichrist and all the world. He comes in riding on a white horse. In his policy of peace, he deceives the whole world. He comes in very peacefully for the first three and a half years. Right after chapter 39, chapters 40 through 48, they do what? They rebuild the next temple. Halfway through the tribulation, what happens? The Antichrist sits in the temple, which doesn't exist right now. And from there, he describes to the world that he is God. And he is called by Matthew, by Mark, and by Daniel, the abomination of desolation. Remember the second desolation? I said we get to that. We're almost to it. When you get to the mid-trib point in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 6 and then verses 13 through 17. The Bible says every Jew is going to run for their life out of the land of Israel. Everyone. Every Jew is going to leave Israel. It's going to be so bad. And God is going to miraculously provide for them someplace in the wilderness where he is going to protect them for time and times and half a time, three and a half years. And because the Antichrist and the serpent, the devil, realizes that they can't get at Israel, they are then going to turn their hatred and anger towards all those that have become converted to Christ during the tribulation period. A horrific time. But that's the second desolation of Israel. You see all those 7 million Jews there, and maybe 14 million soon. I don't know how many will go back, but... I did find one verse where God said he's going to bring all of them back. So they're all going to leave. They're all going to leave their land. Our, our subject tonight is prophecy regarding the future of Israel. They're all going to leave. And then the Lord's going to come back at the end of that seven years and take over. His feet will be the first of a Jew on the Mount of Olives. And the Bible says he's going to go in that eastern gate probably Stephen's Gate, maybe the Golden Gate, and into the temple and take it back over again. And the Satan will be bound for a thousand years, and the beast and the false prophet will be cast into a lake of fire. And Jesus is going to take over, and all the Jews will then come back into their land. And then it will be their land forever. It will be a kingdom of righteousness and peace. It's going to last a thousand years, and there'll be a little skirmish that the Lord will take care of, and then more. But look, I didn't do I didn't do that history, but uh, I wanted to close with Hosea three, 
Uh, I didn't do that history justice. Um, But Hosea 3 is fascinating. I'm going to read this, and then we'll close in prayer and go home. Hosea chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king. Many days. Wow. It's been, what, 2,500 years without a king, without a prince, and without a sacrifice. When was their last sacrifice? 70 A.D. They haven't had a sacrifice in over 1,900 years. Isn't that quite a prophecy? And without an image, and without an ephod, and without a teraphim, nothing, none, none of those things that were used to pray and contact God. Uh, go ahead, Brother John. Go ahead and, and get those out. Verse 5, Afterwards shall the children of Israel return, After all this, no king, no prince, no sacrifice, no getting in touch with God in prayer. And David, their king, and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. So, what a prophecy by Hosea. Amazing. No king, no princes, no sacrifices, nothing. Man, it's been thousands of years, but it's coming. It's coming. So their future is glorious, but boy, for for a while now. I've never seen such hatred for Israel as what I see today. Never seen it. And it's going to get worse. But know these prophecies, share them with others. They're good good soul winning opportunities to, to talk about these things. So, all right, I knew we'd be long tonight, but I wanted to finish that. Um, and, uh, I hope it's helped you. Let us pray. Father, we have looked at the terms and the geography and the history and the prophecies, but Lord, <coughs> I, I can't be dogmatic about some things. I don't understand some of these prophecies, but Lord, you've written them so that that day would not come upon us unawares. Uh, and, and we need to be in fellowship much more as we see the day approaching. We can at least see that much tonight. We pray for Israel. We pray the prayer of Paul that all Israel would be saved. And Lord, we've seen tonight how you're going to do it. Um, and, And we feel bad for them to have to go through such extremes. But let us examine ourselves and not wait till something extremely drastic before we get saved. But just realize we're sinners who need a Savior. And call on the Lord Jesus and be saved. Lord, help us with this knowledge to be better informed and to go forward. And, and when this subject comes up, to, to get right to the gospel and say this indicates the last days or the latter years are here and we need to be sure we're saved. It's no time to procrastinate. Lord, give us a soul-winning spirit like we never had before. And dismiss us now with thy blessing and uh, those things that are coming up, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.